you guys uh, pray with me? I know, probably watching on a TV, on a phone, and now I'm asking you to pray. Let's just embrace it. Would you guys uh, pray with me? God, I, uh, I thank you for this online experience. Lord, I thank you that in the midst of a, a culture that, Lord, how do we find our footing? <laughs> how do we find the, the lack of normalcy is becoming normal? Uh, and so, Father, today we watch via a phone or a TV, or a computer. Uh, so Lord, I just pray that you would work through this experience, work through this platform, knowing that you can, knowing that you will. Um, Father, and thanking you for both of those, all that, all that truth. Uh, we love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. The other day, uh, me and my boys are, are having breakfast, kind of sitting around, around the table. And, uh, and my two boys are arguing, kind of play fighting uh, about like what kind of car they're going to have in the future, uh, what car they're going to get, kind of their dream car, and then arguing about which, which car is, is better. And uh, I forget what landed or no Brady. Brady wants uh, like the like the racing stripe, and he wants a Camaro, he wants a truck, but they all have to have a racing stripe. And Landon was just like, I'm going to get a Tesla. I want a Tesla. We're going to get a Tesla. And uh, I was like, you guys, like those, like a truck, a Tesla, like that's your dream car? And, and Landon's like, well, dad, I'm never going to have to learn how to drive if I get a Tesla. And like, I was like instantly like, I hate that you're right. I hate that society is going in a direction where my fatherly privilege to teach my kid how to drive is probably going to be stripped away from me because my stinking kid is probably going to buy a Tesla someday and it's going to drive him wherever he wants to go. And like, like in a moment, I was like so compact. Like I was like, ah, he's right. And, and, and so I, I kind of like made me a little agitated. And then I was like, also, that in that same moment, I had this, I honest to goodness, I had this thought of like, man, like this is a conversation where we're fighting over Teslas that we're only having in this culture. There are so many other cultures that are never having this conversation. So many other cultures that their two boys are not sitting around a table fighting over what kind of car they have. Cars are for rich people. And it hit me like that's an American culture type thing. How many people don't have access to clean water? And yet I took a warm shower before, <laughs> before coming over here. Some people would look at me as rich because I, because I drive a car. I, I, some people look at me as rich because, I, because I, I was able to take a warm, a warm shower. Forbes, Forbes, think of the water, Forbes did a, did a study and, uh, it, uh, last year, and they said by 2022, the water industry is going to be worth $319.8 billion. In the American culture, we have an industry on clean water. We make money off of clean water when so many other areas of our, of our world don't have that. So because we're watching this over, over a phone or a TV, how many of us are a warm shower? How many people would look at you and I as rich? You ask Damon John, owner of FUBU, owner of a whole bunch of different co uh, companies. He's on Shark Tank. He was asked in an interview, hey, what do you consider rich? And his response was $40 million. 
If you have $40 million, I consider you rich because you can make a, a $20, a $15 million investment. And even if you're sunk, you still got $20 million at least to, to go and do what you need to do. $40 million, he, $40 million is what he considers to be rich. At some, at some point, somebody who's walking to get water considers you and I rich. At some point, the, the, the people in the hills of Kentucky probably look at you and I as rich. On some level, we are rich to somebody. Rich wealth has, has unique temptations, unique, unique struggles, unique challenges, especially on the spiritual front. But if we don't see ourselves as rich, if we don't see ourselves as well off, then, then we're not going to give thought to those temptations. We're not going to give thought to those challenges. What I want us to do in this series, what I want us to do today through the, through the scriptures is I want us to be the right kind of rich. We're going to look at, at 1 Timothy. Timothy is, is a guy uh, that was being invested into. He was a mentee of Paul. Paul was mentoring him. He, uh, Timothy was a pastor uh, in Ephesus. Ephesus, if you don't know anything about Ephesus, it's a, city, it's a city, an ancient city that is rich. It's a very rich city. So Timothy, in his congregation, has rich people. And so in some of his closing words of this book, the book of 1 Timothy, Paul addresses the area of wealth because it's an area that Timothy must address in the midst of a prosperous city with wealthy church members. This is what he, he says to, to kind of, as he's starting to conclude the book, some of his final thoughts to Timothy. He says, as for the rich... In this present age, as for the rich, in this present age, charge them. Charge them. Do this. Give them this thinking. This is, this is the command. This is like, this is where you got to push them. You got you to challenge these rich people. Because again, rich people, if you don't see yourself as rich, you're not going to think of these ways. You and I, we need to think this way. Present age means, if, if we're going to look at this as the present age, that means that this, this conversation on wealth can only happen here. This conversation isn't happening in heaven. This conversation isn't happening in the afterlife. This is, this is a conversation that's only happening with this world as a comparable. And in, in, with this world as a comparable, you and I, he's addressing us. This is a charge to us in our American culture to live well. To handle our wealth well, to, to with what is at our discretion, how do we handle it? You worked hard to get to where you're at. Do you have faith in your hard work or in the God who provides? Did God bless you to hoard or to be a blessing? There is a giant gap between being rich and being good at being rich. Between being rich and being good at being rich, simply possessing funds, possessing income, possessing things and stuff, possessing things doesn't make you automatically good at having those things. So here's our big thought for this, for this online experience. This big thought for us to, today as, we, as we're watching this, as we're viewing this, is simply this. Be the right kind of rich. 
I'm not going to argue whether or not you're rich. Somebody someplace looks at you as rich. So I want us to look through the pages of Scripture, what, what Paul is saying here, and I want us to be the right kind of rich. So in these following verses, Paul is going to express four ways to be the right kind of rich. First, we need to be rich in humility. Paul says this simply, not to be haughty in verse 17. You know what haughty means? It's not really a word that we use. We kind of use a, like, hey, haughty. It's not that kind of haughty. It's, it's spelt a little bit differently. Uh, it, 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 we can define it like this, arrogantly superior or disdainful, that you look at others with disdain. A haughty person has a very high opinion of himself and a low opinion of others. See, riches and pride, they frequently go together. It's a challenge for a rich person to have a humble heart. A, a rich person struggles with this, struggles that, hey, everything in, 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 my, in my possession is for my consumption. Everything, in, everything is in my hands is, is for my consumption, isn't it? That's not a very humble attitude. I was, I, was, I was walking the other day, and I was walking with a friend of mine, and he was talking about, uh, about uh, finances, and I think we were actually talking about the series of what was upcoming, and, uh, and we were talking through this, and you know how like husband and wife, like every husband and wife kind of spends money differently or kind of has, a, has a, um, a way, like a desire to spend money differently. One person is maybe a little bit more tight-fisted. Uh, one person is a little bit more of a free-spirited, and I've seen that both husband and wife can be either one, so it's not just a, a gender thing. Somebody, one, every marriage is a little bit different, and so he, they were, he was like, hey, in my marriage early on, we were talking about why wealth. We were talking about finances, and my wife said something that has really set the tone for our finances. And, and, and he's like, here's, here's what she said. I'd rather be a family who does than a family who has. I want to be a family who does more than a family who has. And he said it has set the tone for how we handle our finances. That, that, that drive for, for, for income really is a drive to be more generous. It, it blew me away that that attitude, and as he articulated, how it drives how they spend their money. I am so stinking thankful, like so thankful to be surrounded by leaders who, who ultimately live paycheck to paycheck. None of our leaders are these, ooh, let's just make it rain, but leaders that are, are living paycheck to paycheck, and when they get a bonus check, you can see in their eyes, they're happy. They're going to build God's kingdom. When, when their unemployment or their stimulus or when something comes through, they're happy to build God's kingdom. They're, they're, they're happy to make that sort of an investment. Hey, I'm going to work a lot of overtime this week, and guess what? It just means I'm going to be able to tithe more and, and, and build God's kingdom. You know why? Because the most humble attitude a Christian can have when it comes to finances is this. It all comes from God. All of this is from God. I'm just giving it back. <laughs> That's a humble attitude because a humble person rests their hope on and in Christ Jesus. That's our second point. So we, if, we're gonna, if we want to be the right kind of rich, we're going to be rich in humility. But secondly, we're going to be rich in hope. Here's where Paul goes with this. He says, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty. On, whoa, 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 uncertainty of riches? Many of us look at riches as certainty. But no, 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 Here's not, that's not what God says. On the uncertainty of riches, but on God, 
who richly provides uh, us with everything to enjoy. So here, here is the spectrum when it comes to our, our hope. When we are out of money, life feels horrifically unsafe. When we have all the resources, we feel secure. No money, we're looking at riches to bring security. Having money, we, we look at our riches and feel secure. So, so when money becomes the basis for our hope, whether we're lacking and we need more money to gain hope, or whether we have and our money is our hope, when money is the source of our hope, we are going down a slippery slope. Why? There is no amount of money that can protect you from everything. There's none. There's no amount of money that can protect you from absolutely everything. Yes, money can be part of God's provision, part of God's protection, but it's not the only, need, the only means. You and I, we need the attitude of more of the giver instead of more of the gift. Give me more of the giver. I want to rely on the provider and not the provision. I want to be content with God Almighty. I want my hope and my contentment to be in Jesus. Because if we're not content there, it's going to drive us to all sorts of bad places. It's the spouse who's not content in marriage that goes other places. It's the person who's not content in their job that goes to shady places in their, in their job. It's the person who is discontent that goes to all sorts of unholy places. So if we're going to manage our finances well, shouldn't our hope be in Jesus and shouldn't that hope bring us to a place of contentment? When I look around this world and when I, I'm not looking to find hope, I have hope. When I feel hopeless, I'm not trying to look to my wife to fill me with hope. I'm not looking to a friendship to fill me with hope. I'm looking to my kids to fill me with hope. I'm not looking for a bonus to fill me with hope. I'm not trying to find hope when I have hope all the time in its fullest sense because I have Jesus. So, so when I don't feel like I have any hope, it's not a matter of as a Christian if I have hope. It's a matter of me putting my eyes back on Jesus and being content in that if I'm looking to riches, what does God say through the scripture right here? It says that the riches are uncertain. The rich view money as certain, but God does not view it that way. I, I had the craziest time before the pandemic. Uh, so Ava, Ava's a self-employed. She's a real estate appraiser. And, uh, and so I handle, uh, I handled her retirement. And we kind of joke sometimes about various levels of being good at managing her retirement and some investments and whatnot. And before the pandemic, I was getting pretty good at it. I, oh, I, so I thought. I was like, I, she was up 27%. I was... Like, hey, Ava, you can retire. You're up 27%. We're killing it, right? So I was talking all sorts of trash. And then I'm talking to my grandfather right before the pandemic or maybe right during the pandemic or right on the, whatever. It was like right then. And, uh, and my grandfather's like, hey, I want to make an investment into the Endless Growth Fund uh, that we had at that time. And uh, he's like, but I just, if we can wait a month or so for the market to rebound. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean market rebound? And because I hadn't checked in a few days. And he's like, well, it's, it's, all, it's all crashed. And I, I quickly got on the website. And I was like, I was just up. 
I'm down. I have lost money. I am down 4%. That is a 31% swing. And then by the time, like middle of the pandemic, it got to a low of negative 25%. I had lost 25% of the investment. Now, yes, things have, things have rebounded, but that's a huge swing in the moment. And guess what? I never lost to sleep, partly because we're younger and we know we can just wait it out. But then secondly, that's not where my hope is. God provides more than any earthly investment. And I've never looked at my God as stingy because my God is not stingy. When we think about this, when you think about giving stuff away or giving finances away or, or just giving in general, we don't, we don't think about those things as filling us with security. But the second we start thinking about giving those things away, our insecurities start coming out. When you think about being generous and giving God glory in, in your generosity, what emotions start to fill your spirit in your mind? What emotions start to, to overtake you? If those emotions probably give you insight as to where your hope is. So we're going to be rich in humility. We're going to be rich in hope. But then thirdly, if we want to be the right kind of rich, we're going to be rich in good. Paul, again, says it very bluntly and very straightforward. He says this, they are to do good. Be rich in good works. This is what we're charging the rich folk to do good. Be rich in good. So throughout the scriptures, throughout the New Testament, Good is mentioned a lot, but this is the only time this specific Greek word is used for good. It's unique to this passage right here. There's other versions of the word good used in other areas, but this word means, means to inherently, qualitatively do good from a noble standing. It's, it's, it's a word of nobility. I'm, I'm going to do good from my position. For those beneath me, I'm going to do what is noble and what is excellent. This isn't superficial doing good. Like superficial good in our culture is like, hey, I was a good person, la person last year. I ran a 5K, paid a little bit extra money and went to that charity. That's my good for the year. Oh, I played that golf tournament and it was $30. And with the greens fee, it was about $30 more than what I typically pay for a greens fee. So that's my, that's my noble good deed for the year. No, this is so much deeper. What we do with the goods that we have declares our worship. What we do with the goods that we have declares our worship. Do we use our good gifts to do good and noble things? And when we do, what example of good are we setting for the next generation? Here's some pictures. Scroll through. These are pictures from Relentless Love Week and some other CKs that we're doing. My, my mom with my kids. Uh, I think those um, other, other families doing good throughout Relentless Love Week. Let's pause here. They're in life group together. This is the future Mr. and Mrs. They're going to get married someday. Why? Because mom and dad set them a good example and arranged it right then and there. He will someday grow into that sweatshirt and put a ring on that finger. They met at Wellspring, and that's a big old joy. But I mean, I kid and I don't kid at the same time. But there's a whole bunch of families there setting an example for their kids. 
When my kids are now getting involved in CKAs, community kindness actions, and, and helping out the Relentless Love Week, now they're seeing the example of their parents, but now they've made friends here. They're seeing Todd, their neighbor, set the example of like, this is good. This is what it means to do good. They're seeing the Wilsons. They're seeing the Rajas. They're seeing, seeing, they're seeing a whole slew of families setting the example of doing good. There's, there's nothing wrong with having nice things. Like, you might be financially, financially blessed. You're not judged for that. I mean, God willing, you didn't, you didn't come, up, come across that with ill-gotten gains. But, and, and you may not have a lot in comparison to this world, but you're not judged for that. The question is, really, for all of us watching this, what good are we doing with the goods that we have? And the reason I bring up family in this is what does our family see? Does they see mom or dad as stingy? Or do they see them doing whatever they can to do good in this, in this world? Stingy is not a word that should ever be used of a Christian. If it's not used of Jesus or shouldn't be used of Jesus, it shouldn't be used of us. Here's the third thing. And there's a natural flow here. So we're going to be rich in humility. We're going to be rich in hope. We're going to be rich in good. But then he, again, very basic, very blunt. He, here's where Paul goes. He says, be, be rich in generosity. To be generous and to be ready to share. So we're going to be rich in generosity. Generosity means, means that we're ready to share. Means, means that we have margin. Means that, that when an opportunity comes our way, we're not going to be like, I wish I could, but my money's all locked up. It's, it's inside. I can't. I can't. I, I wasn't ready for this. No, no. Like, we have to be ready to do good works. Like, if you're going to run a race, you prepare for the race, you train for the race. Why? So that on race day, you're ready to compete and to compete well. In this regard, we make a plan. We prepare so that when the opportunity, when the day comes to do, we are prepared to do. Christmas is coming. There's a whole lot of needs in our community that, that as a community, this is why we named it Beyond the Season, that this is the season to do good. If we're not planned, does our plan to do good just drive us to greater debt? No, we need a plan and we need to be disciplined to do good. It might mean that we need a stinking budget. As an individual and as a family, do you have a budget? Is there margin in your budget? And are you ready to do good? Here's a, here's a quote by, uh, by John D. Rockefeller. He, you, you know him for being rich. I never would have been able to tithe the first million dollars I've ever made if I had not tithed my first salary, which was $1.50 uh, per week. He talks about tithing and talks about how the margin that he had early on and how he learned to tithe there is what set up his practices later on in life. But then you have a guy like Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos wasn't content in his marriage last year like a fool and uh, went around, blah, 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 got divorced and lost half of his income. And uh, But don't worry, 2020 has been good to him. He's gained it all back. And so here's, here's something that he did. Uh, in, in, 2000, in 2019, the world's richest person, Jeff Bezos, recently announced that he had donated uh, 98.5, he, he announced this, $98.5 million to 32 organizations, uh, excited to announce this year's Bezos Day One grants. Now, we would look at $98.5 million and be like, what a nice guy. That is so generous. Jason, you must be bringing this up as a... That a boy! I am not. 
I know I'm a jerk, but that is point, what I, point zero, zero, zero six of his net worth. It's, it's hardly a speck on the map. My point in bringing it up is it's not our bank account that impresses God. It's the way we handle our bank account that impresses him. I don't think that fully impresses God until we look at his whole bank account and see, can he stand before God and say, God, you blessed, and this is how I was a blessing. So if we're going to be generous, I, I want to put before us uh, just some, some P's to think about. Priority giving. If we don't make giving a priority, we're not going to do it when it comes our way. Uh, it won't happen. Giving won't happen unless generosity won't happen unless it's a priority. It is a choice. You, you and I, when it comes to our finances, we say, I can and I can't. You look at your bank account, and those are, that's everything you said I can to. Everything in your bank account is what you said I can't do. If you, and if you give, you said I can give this much, I can't give more. You and I, no matter if we're Christians or not, we say I can and I can't every single day. But for many of us, we say I can't to the mission of God simply because other things are of greater importance. The way we spend communicates I can and I can't. Now, this isn't a guilt trip. There's nothing wrong with saying I can to things. It just becomes a spiritual uh, area of, of growth when all of our cans equate to I can't to the work of God. And this is why priority giving, but then secondly, percentage giving. That, that I think it's the percentage that honors God more than the sum. It's the woman that had very little that gave it all, and God says she will be remembered. It, it, the widow's might, if you will. It, it's, it's why we would look at Jeff Bezos and say the percentage, like I gave you X and you gave Y. It, it is, I think it's the percentage and that trust factor that, that spurs out of the percentage that, that really honors God. And then to be progressive in our giving, priority giving, percentage giving, and then being progressive in our giving means that we're going to grow over time the percentage in which we give, that as more money comes our way, that we're not going to try to increase our standard a living. If I am content, I don't need to increase my standard of living. I can increase my standard of giving. If I don't give in the, in this, in the margin that I have here, more money is not going to increase my standard of giving. Statistically, rich people don't give as much as people with lower incomes. So if we don't learn to, to give in the margin we have here, more margin isn't going to lead to greater giving. So what do we say? We want to be the right kind of rich. We want to do this the right way. I want to be the right kind of rich. It means I'm going to be rich in what? Humility. I'm going to be rich in hope. I'm going to be rich in doing good. I'm going to be rich in my generosity. If I want to be the right kind of rich, I want to be rich in all four of those things. And what will it lead to? What's going to lead to? A great life. That's going to lead to rich living. If I can do those four things, I'm going to trust what God says here. Rich living. Paul is commanding these things. Why? Not so that we, that he gets our money. Not so that the church in Ephesus gives Paul all of their money. No. He's commanding these things because he doesn't want our money to have us. 
Rich Living, he goes on, he, clo- he closes this section by saying, thus, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future. Be generous, give it away, and you have a good foundation so that they might take hold of that which is truly life. This is truly how to live. In our American culture, we're rich to somebody. This is truly how to live. Throughout 2020, I have prayed for people over their finances, and I've heard of, of different prayer requests you know, come, come my way. And, and what, maybe it's from where I sit, or, and it's, actually, it's not even been 2020. It's, it's just kind of human nature, right? You, you, pray, you pray for somebody for the promotion. You pray for, for the stimulus check. You pray for unemployment. You, you, you pray for the bonus. You pray for these things because, because money is so tight for an individual. And, and yet, as, as, you, as you go before God to pray for increased wealth over this person, you're also hearing, well, they just, they just bought a new car for somebody or a kid or themselves or, or, they, or they just you know, built, uh, built an addition onto their house or, 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 or the deck or, or, the, or, the, um, or the, um, the kitchen or, or the upgrade, the renovation in, in, the, in the bathroom. Like they, the, all of these things as they build out their house while praying, hey, money to come in because they need to, you, you need to do it. Like, it's like, was that rich living? Rich living to pray for more money while I build my fortress? Rich living is building the kingdom of God, not my fortress. And and, and it's so counterintuitive that to live the generous life, to give money away, you would think that weakens the foundation. But God says, no, that's a stronger foundation. Why? Because it's building the kingdom of God. We are not concerned about a return on investment in this life because heaven awaits us. The investment is for the life to come. The investment is, is when, when God is going to look at a whole slew of things. He's going to look at everything. And when he looks at our bank account, he says, well done. Well done. I am humbled by the generous people in this church. I am humbled by the generous people that look for opportunities to advance the kingdom of God. Of all economic statuses that are looking at God and saying, I am open-handed to your work. So Wellspring, stay humble. Stay Generous, live rich as God calls us to live rich. Why? Because honoring God with our riches is ultimately the key to the rich life. This, none of this talk is meant to make anybody feel guilty. Don't feel guilty for having when others are poor. Never, never apologize for God's blessing over your life. But rather, rather, think and pray. In light of the blessed situation I find myself in, how can I build God's kingdom? We're in a season, going into Thanksgiving, going into Christmas, that is a generous season. This is the time to learn these principles, understand these principles, so the spirit of generosity that should overwhelm all Christians will go far beyond a season. Ingrained in us is how we worship God with what he's so richly, how he's, how he's blessed us. And so here's my challenge for us, because I want us to gain perspective in this season. My challenge is, is twofold. I want, us, I want to challenge you to read the book, How to Be Rich, 
by Andy Stanley. A lot of the concepts from this talk has come from that, come from that book because uh, he, he unpacked, uh, unpacked this, uh, this passage and I gained a lot as well as all the commentaries I was reading in my own personal study. But I want to challenge you to read that book, How to Be Rich uh, by Andy Stanley. Uh, the online hosts are dropping links uh, in, uh, below where you, can, we, where you can purchase that book. If you reach out to me, I'm, I'm actually going to gladly give you a copy of that book. Uh, and, and so you can hit us up for that. But then secondly, after you read that book, after you read it, not before, I love setting up budgets. It has helped me out so much personally. Uh, and I, time for me can be sometimes a little hard to come by. But you read that book, and I'm going to be very happy to sit down with you and just work on a budget that, that takes a lot of these principles in it. I, I will give you, sometimes we just need somebody to help us with some perspective. I, I know I'm going to actually speak for Graham here. I'll speak for some people on our elder team. We would be happy to sit down with you and work through a budget, treat you to some coffee, and talk through this. So my challenge is, read the book, How to Be Rich by, by Andy Stanley, and then make a budget. Whether or not you need our help making a budget, doesn't matter but make a budget. Plan to be generous. I love you guys. Let me, let me pray. God, I thank you for this time. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to, to reflect and to think. Um, Father, I thank you for being a God that um, grants us perspective. Father, that leaves no subject, no matter how awkward it is or how unwelcomed it is. Father, you speak in because... You are holy, and you value our holiness in all areas. You want us to be like you. Your throne was abandoned to come to earth and to die for us. Father, may we build your kingdom. And Father, may we look at that as the greatest investment we can ever make. I love you, Jesus. Grow our heart for you where this is a welcomed conversation. We love you in your name. Thank you for checking out a sermon recorded right here at Wellspring Church in Tom's River. If it's your first time connecting with us, we'd love to stay connected with you. So don't forget to like and subscribe to this video. And then down in the description box below, there's ways to give online. There's our social media accounts. We'd love to stay connected with you throughout the week. We love and appreciate you. And we hope you have a fantastic week.